So as we're looking at this, we've been saying that prayer is that way that you and I communicate with God. It's the way that, that we get before Him and we get in His presence and we recognize the needs both in our own hearts and in the lives of those around us. It's where we spend time communicating with God that way. Now, as we have been looking through this, this is now our, our kind of series within a series. I should have just gone ahead and called it that. In the middle of our Sermon on the Mount series, this is part four, so that should have been its own series. But um, as we're in part four here, we've been seeing so far that before we ever ask God to do anything in our lives or the lives around us, we need to make sure that we are establishing and remembering who God is. In fact, let's go ahead and read. I'm going to back up to verse 9 and We'll go ahead and read through the model prayer that Jesus gives us, and then we'll dive back in at verse 11, okay? Verse 9, Therefore you should pray like this, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, as we're picking back up this morning, we've been seeing those first two verses there, 9 and 10, where it says our Father in heaven. We've been looking at who God is. We've been looking at that idea of his kingdom being his rule and his reign over all of creation. And so we're praying that we would act like he's our king. And we're praying that more people would know and acknowledge that he's our king, that we would carry out his will on earth. So as we focus on verse 11 today, it's the shortest one in this section, but it gives us plenty to look at and talk about. He says there in verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Now, if you walk out of here with nothing else this morning, here's what I want you to to catch and to to walk away with. A God-honoring prayer is asking God for what I need today, okay? A God-honoring prayer is asking God for what I need today. Now, maybe a story will help. Does that, do you guys like stories? I was reading a bedtime story to Caleb last night. I, this is a story about a familiar character. You guys remember the story of Goldilocks, right? You guys remember Goldilocks and the three bears? You remember she wandered off into the wood and somehow broke and entered into somebody's house and turned out to be an apex predator. And depending on whose version of the story you listen to, she either got eaten by the bears, depending how you know, badly your parents wanted to scare you and keep you from ever being investigative and curious, or she barely escaped with her life, right? Okay, so let's go with the idea that Goldilocks escaped with her life, okay? Let's go ahead and and move that line forward. So if Goldilocks escaped with her life, then we know that one day Goldilocks grew up and she got married and she had a family of her own. But one thing that Goldilocks never learned to do was Goldilocks never learned to cook. By the way, stay with me. We are going somewhere with this. Goldilocks never learned to cook. I mean, she was always, you know, traipsing around the woods and whatnot, so she never just had time to learn. So, you know, she started trying to cook for her dear husband when they were first married, and meal after inedible meal after inedible meal. She just was getting so discouraged, and her husband was getting really good going, wow, babe, I can almost taste the flavor, and it doesn't just taste burnt. Well, so finally she said, you know what? I remember as a kid, my mom used to pray, and so maybe I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to pray that God would help me to be able to, to cook. So she sat down one night before bed, and she said, God, when I wake up tomorrow morning, I want to fix a gourmet meal. God, if you would, would you just make me like the next Julia Childs, and just when I wake up tomorrow morning, help me just to be able to cook the best meal ever. 
Well, she got up and she hurriedly ran to the kitchen and she starts pulling out every ingredient she can think of and she's got plans to make crepes and omelets and croissants from scratch and all this kind of stuff and she's, she's got it all figured out. Well, you can imagine what happened. The fire chief on his way back to the station said he'd never seen flames leap that high that fast and that he really hoped Goldilocks's golden eyebrows would grow back soon, right? She prayed, but it didn't seem to work out. So she says, you know what, God? I tried this prayer thing, and her second prayer was, fine, if you're not going to help, I'm just going to do it myself. So for some time, Goldilocks decided that she would just do it on her own, and she was done with prayer. So as she went through, she tried making things, and she made the same mistake that I made the other night when I was making pancakes. And instead of putting in two teaspoons of baking powder, put in two tablespoons of baking powder. Thankfully, I realized my mistake and was able to hand it to my wife, and she rescued it before it got bad. Okay? Uh, That's how amazing she is. She can even rescue bad pancake batter. So in the middle of all of this, though, Goldilocks just keeps serving up these terrible meals. One night, she finally gets frustrated. And she says, God, I I just don't know. I don't understand why you, you didn't just make me the next Julia Childs. But God, I just... I just want to fix a meal that's edible for once. Could you help me do that? Next morning, she got up. It wasn't big. It wasn't fancy. But God helped her to slow down, read the instructions, take her time, and she was able to finally cook an edible meal. Well, what do we learn from the story of Goldilocks and the three prayers? Just like the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. We don't want to ask for too much. We don't want to ask for too little. Instead, we need our prayers to be somewhere in the middle. Ask God for what you need today. That's a lovely story. If the Bible doesn't back it up, it doesn't matter, right? So let's look and see what Scripture teaches us about this. First, the idea of, as we're asking God to give us our daily bread, a God-honoring prayer that's seeking God and asking Him to move in a great way, first off, we're not going to ask God for too much. We're not asking God for too much. Now, I'm going to qualify that in a second, but Jesus is teaching us to pray. He's teaching us to ask for the things that we need. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray about the things we want. But what he's teaching is that our main focus in prayer is on what we need. Okay? Now, that's very, very important for us. Now, as you hear that idea of don't ask for too much, if you're not familiar with who God is and how God works, then you may be thinking, well, does that mean that I don't want to ask God to do big things? That's not at all what I'm saying here. The Bible is very, very clear that God is able to do huge things earth-shattering things. In fact, it teaches that he spoke the universe into existence over the course of six days. A God who can speak things into existence is certainly a God who is capable of doing great things. We should pray big, bold prayers, okay? Not only did he create the universe in six days, he also raised Jesus from the dead. He allowed Jesus to come back to life after Jesus had died on the cross for our sin and had taken that penalty. He defeated death and came back to life. 
So if God can raise Jesus from the dead, if God can create the universe simply by speaking it into existence, then there's nothing too big for us to ask God. Some of you may remember the Sunday school song of my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do, right? So in that same kind of way, we know that as we're praying, we can pray big prayers. So what do I mean by saying don't ask too much? Well, sometimes when we're praying, our prayers are not asking for things that would be honoring to God. We're approaching God like Goldilocks, and we're asking God to do things for us that wouldn't be helpful, that might actually hurt us, and that are more than what we need. Let's explain it the way James does. James in James chapter 4 says it this way. What's the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from the passions that wage war within you? You desire and don't have. You murder and covet and can't obtain. You fight and wage war. You don't have because you don't ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now leave that verse up for just a second. This is when we're asking for too much. When we finally do get around to prayer, we're asking God for what we want so that we may spend it on our pleasures. We're asking God to move not for His name and His glory and His kingdom like we've been seeing in the last few weeks we've been looking at prayer, but instead we're asking God to do what we want Him to do because we want to spend it on what we want. It's not because God isn't powerful enough or able to meet all our needs at once. He literally spoke the universe into existence. He could right now, like God could do this where if, if you left church today, you could have a key to a storage unit that literally had everything you would need for the remainder of your life. God could do that. However, that's not usually how he works. It's not what's best. Often we're asking for things that we don't need They don't meet the criteria we looked at last week for our requests. We're not asking for God to expand his kingdom influence. We're not asking in line with what he wants, what he desires, what scripture teaches us. And so God does not answer those prayers the way that we want him to. By the way, if you're a parent, you know the answer to this. Is no an answer to a question? Yes, right? That's one of the things that our kids have a hard time with. Sometimes they ask us for something not realizing that the answer to that question may very well be no. So the same is true of prayer. God is answering prayers, but the answer may be no. (laughs) And you don't like that. But at the same time, sometimes it's because we're asking for too much. Instead of asking for the moon, Jesus models that God-honoring prayer is praying for what we need today, right? Give us today our daily bread. Why? Because he asking for daily provision reminds us of our continual dependence on God. When I ask God daily for him to provide, it reminds me of the fact that I need him constantly in my life. I could do nothing without him. Like we sang in the song earlier, it's the breath that God has put inside us that then we sing back to him in praise. So in that same kind of way, if God is sustaining my life, he's causing my heart to beat. In fact, Colossians 1 says, in him we live and move and have, or excuse me, in, uh, the, in all things hold together in Christ. Sorry, that was Acts 17 was where I went. Um, but so in Colossians 1, where it talks about the fact that all things hold together in Christ, that means he is literally holding matter together. So instead of saying, God, I'm going to pray that you'll provide everything I need for the week, Jesus teaches us to pray, God, I need this today. Give me what I need right now for today. That's something that God's modeled with his people from very early on. 
If you're familiar with the time when God took his people out of slavery in Egypt and they wandered in the desert for 40 years, if you'll remember, God made it where there was this special substance that came out of heaven. It was kind of like a bread-like thing that was when the dew was there in the morning, there was this bread kind of stuff on the ground. In fact, it's, so, it's funny because the word that for it is manna, which literally in Hebrew is, what is it? <laughs> like, they, they, they called it, what in the world is this? Uh, it wasn't quite as tasty as a whatchamacallit bar, if you remember those. But it's the same kind of concept. But here's what God said about this. Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I'll test them to see what they'll follow, whether or not they'll follow my instructions. Boy, isn't that interesting. God said, go out every day and pick up what you need for that day. By the way, if you picked up more than what you need, it got maggots in it. Mmm, yummy. But you know when it didn't? God had commanded them not to do work on the Sabbath. So on Friday morning when they came out, they would pick enough for two days, and it would stay fresh until Sunday morning when they got up. Isn't that interesting? God was teaching them this lesson that they were to daily be dependent on Him. See, we are daily dependent on Him, whether we acknowledge it or not. As He provided daily to test them, He's doing the same for us. Jesus affirms that every day we need to ask God for what we need that day. So here's the question for you to think about. Could it be that the reason that God is not responding to your prayer the way that you want Him to do is because maybe you're trying to be like Goldilocks and you're praying for too much. You're, you're trying to pray for the end of the thing, not realizing that God's got a whole process He wants to bring you through to get you to that point. Is it possible that, that you don't need to back down your prayer because God's not big enough or God's not good enough, but maybe it's because you're not looking at things from God's timeline, and so instead you need to back up and instead of just praying for the end product, say, God, shape me today. God, guide me today. God, give me strength for today. I remember listening to a a pastor who has a a large ministry and speaks at all kinds of conferences and things, and he went through a very difficult season in his family, and there was a lot going on that was painful, and he was exhausted, and, and he said, I would sit in the car before I walked into church on Sunday morning and say, God, I don't have it, and I just need you to do it one more time. He would just ask God to move because I just can't anymore. By the way, some of you, this is where you need to really focus in because you're fighting a battle that's not going to be over soon. I'd love to think that somehow magically, mysteriously, the virus is going to disappear in November, but I don't really think that's going to happen. I'd love for there to be a vaccine and for everybody to be able to come back to church and be happy and healthy and, and us be able to take up the masking tape and not have to wear masks. And I'd love for that to be the case. But guys, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Even if it did, there's still going to be economic challenges. There's still going to be election stuff to deal with. There's going to be all kinds of things that's going to take some time. So maybe during this season, the best we can pray is, God, we want your will to be done long term, but that means it has to be done today too. So God, shape me today. God, strengthen me today. Don't ask for too much. Ask for today. Because a God-honoring prayer is praying for God to sustain you with what you need today. In this, though, one of the things you need to seal and settle and just nail down and stake down in your heart, no matter how you feel, is that the truth of Scripture is God has promised 
that he will meet all of your needs. Now, my kids can tell you, actually, I think even Emma said it this morning, I don't want it, I need it. There's a difference, isn't there? God has not promised that he'll give us everything we want, but he has promised he'll meet all our needs. Sean, I don't believe you. Okay, well, here's a couple verses to back that up. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he also with him grant us everything? If God was willing to go to such great lengths that he would put his own son on the cross to die for you, what more could you ask that God wouldn't be willing to do? If he's already given us Jesus, then why would we think that he's not going to give me the strength that I need through today? Why, why do I think that he's not going to sustain me through this or give me wisdom for this challenge? Or, or why would I doubt that? He gave me his own son. He's forever proven that he cares. He's ever proven that he's able. What's it matter? Okay, here's another one. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. How many of you remember the cartoon DuckTales? Okay? You remember the opening sequence of that? The, the good one, not the new one. The new one's really weird. The old ones are the ones that you need to go back and watch. Scrooge McDuck diving through his big vault that was like a swimming pool full of gold coins. You guys remember that? That's the picture in my head here. When, when he sits here and says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, God's not like, oh man, I've got to scrape off the bottom of the pot to give Sean what I need. I'm, I'm kind of down to the dregs and I don't have much left for him. No, he's Scrooge McDuck swimming in the, all the riches and all the glory of all the universe, and he said that he will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God's promise to provide what you need, not everything you want. Here's what makes God so, so good. He would be good if that's where he stopped. But what makes God so incredible is that all and not only does he give us what we need, he even gives us what we want. Not every time, because sometimes our wants are wrong. Our wanter gets stuck open, and we want all kinds of things that God knows isn't best. But there are times when God gives us what we want. My family and I had the privilege of going down to Gatlinburg for vacation earlier this year. And I was going back through my bank statement. It tells you how exciting life is, right? I was going back through my bank statement, looking at transactions. And as I was looking at the transactions, I saw a few of the times when I had been able to buy something that one of my kids wanted. It wasn't something they needed, but just a little stuffed animal or something like that. It made me so happy to be able to do that for them. I'm really not a great dad a lot of times. But can you imagine the joy that our Heavenly Father, who Jesus taught us back earlier in chapter 6, already knows what we need before we even ask Him? Can you imagine the joy that He has in giving us not just what we need, but in what we want? He goes far beyond what we need. If you're here today and your pantry is stocked, or you could order takeout on the way home today, you have more than you need. 
See, give us this day our daily bread means that it could be to the point where at the end of tonight when we're done eating, I don't have anything for tomorrow and I have to trust that God's going to give me something tomorrow to feed me. There's a lot of the world that lives that way. So if your pantry is stocked or you could run by McDonald's and get takeout or you could go by and decide whether you wanted the, the $4 meal from, McDonald's or from Wendy's or the $5 biggie bag, if you've got that choice, God's given you more than you need today. If you have money and savings, he's provided more than you need for today. Are you thankful for that, or is there still that discontent that says it's not enough? So if you're asking God to give you more, why? Why are you asking God what you're asking him for in prayer? Is it so his kingdom will be expanded so that you'll have more opportunities to be generous or more opportunities to be gracious or be able to make a bigger impact in the kingdom through your job or through the position that God allows you to hold or through the way that you love your kids or the way that they turn out? Or is it so that you'll be able to impress people? So people will see how nice your house is or your car is or see your kids and finally think that you're not a loser parent like you feel like you are most of the time because you see how good the kids are. They turned out all right. Why are you asking God for what you're asking for? If you're asking God for more than you need, are you giving your time, your talents, your treasures so that he'll be glorified, or are you hoarding what he's given you? Jesus teaches us and models for us that prayer is asking God for what we need. Not just what we need, but what those around us need. Now, not too much, not too little, just enough for me to be thankful. Let's balance it out with the rest of what we see in Scripture, though, because he also commands us not to ask too little. Not only can we ask too much, God also says don't ask too little. Remember back to Goldilocks. She got fed up with prayer because it wasn't working because God didn't give her everything she wanted, so she just decided she'd go in on her own. You know, the Bible is full of stories of people who tried that. You think about Abraham and his wife Sarah, that God had promised to give them a child, and it didn't seem like he was coming through. He wasn't answering their prayers they wanted to. So they decided they'd take matters in their own hand. And when that happened, they ended up having a child out of a relationship that should never have existed that caused problems that are still continuing in geopolitical issues that we see today in the headlines this week because Abraham and Sarah decided to go against God's plan and do what they wanted to do instead. Boy, how would you like that reputation, by the way? All the Middle East conflict, you can trace back to Abraham and Sarah's mistake with Hagar. Their sin in choosing to do that, it all goes back eventually to that. Pretty interesting. I I think about one of my favorite New Testament examples, though. In Acts chapter 19, you've got this great, great account. You've got Paul and others who've been going around, they've been teaching people about Jesus, and one of the things that they've been doing is they've been driving out demons. They've been using Jesus' name to drive them out. Well, there were a bunch of guys that liked to do this as a, a racket on the side. They, they were, you know, frauds, but they saw that what Paul was doing actually seemed to work. There was one group, these guys, they were seven sons of a man named Sceva. They saw Paul doing this, casting out demons, so they said, okay, he's doing it in, in this name of Jesus guy, so we could probably do the same thing. So here's what they decide to do. They find this guy who's demon-possessed. And they say, okay, so in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches, I command you to get out. Here's the response, okay? This is, I love this account. Acts chapter 19, verse 15 through 16. The evil spirit answered these guys and said, I know Jesus, I recognize Paul, but who are you? 
Now, pause right there. I would love to have been there, like watch the blood drain out of their faces in that moment. Because look at what happened next. He goes on to say, Then the men who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. Seven guys overpowered them all, prevailed against them, so that they ran out of the house naked and wounded. Isn't that just a crazy story, by the way? So many people think that the Bible is just this real tame book that doesn't have any weird. Dude, there are so many cool stories of what God did in the Bible. But these guys thought, I can just do this thing. I don't really need to ask God to help me. And they got the tar beat out of them and ran out naked and bloody. All right? This is what happens when we try to do things our way. We're not asking God for our daily bread. When we're asking God for too little and trying to do things on our own, We fail every single time. So some of you, especially for a lot of us men, we've been trained to be self-reliant. I don't need anybody. I don't need anything from anybody. Some of you guys, you've been hurt in the past. You've relied on people. Maybe even been a pastor or somebody who hurt you. And you look back and say, you know what? I got this. I'm not going to look out for anybody else. I'm not asking anybody else to look out for me. You're not asking God for your daily bread. Can I just tell you that that never works out well? Never does. James says in James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who doesn't change like shifting sands. Every good thing that you want in your life, every good thing that you need, is a gift that comes from God. So when you don't pray... You try to do this on your own. You try to figure it out. You're going to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. But when you try to do those things, you're pushing away the very God who gives good gifts to his children. If you want God to move in big ways, you can't expect him to do that without you asking. We've already seen that this morning that he desires you to daily recognize your need of him. So are you willing to do that? Are you going to just keep trying to make it on your own? Are you going to like Goldilocks? Are you going to say, you know what, I got this, and keep pouring, you know, a cup of baking sugar or baking powder in instead of a teaspoon? Or are you going to slow down and say, God, I need you to give me what I need today? Think back to Goldilocks for a second. Which, which one do you more identify with? Are you asking God for too much, expecting that he's going to make you the next Julia Childs overnight? Or are you trying to do it on your own, saying, God, I don't need you. I got this. Don't ask for too much. Don't ask for too little. Let your prayer life be centered somewhere in the middle and ask God for what you need today. What should we pray then? God, give us today our daily bread. Give me what I need for today. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Give that to my friends, to my family, to our community, to our church, our world. God, we need you to move. So move today. I don't know how you want to move next month. I'll pray about, you know, guys, I'm not saying don't pray for the election because it's a couple months away because, well, I'll pray about it the day before. No, that's not what I'm saying here. I hope you guys understand that. Focus our prayer life on what we need for today. That's what Jesus models for us as a God-honoring prayer.
I'm going to remind you again of that verse we looked at in Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Again, how do I know that that's even true? Because He's already met my greatest need. See, the biggest need that I had was I needed to be made right with God. I was spiritually dead, and I'd been separated from God because I chose to sin, and I chose to do what I wanted to do instead of what God wanted me to do. And so I needed somebody to rescue me, to reconcile me to God, to make me alive. And that's what we're going to commemorate here in a few minutes. See, what we're getting ready to do is we're getting ready to take this little wafer and this little cup. This little wafer right here is going to represent for us Jesus' body that was broken on the cross as he was beat leading up to it and as he hung on the cross for us. And this little cup represents his blood that was shed. This is something that Jesus did for us. He, he, but on the night before he was betrayed, he sat down with his disciples and as they took the Passover meal, he took this picture of what, how God had delivered his people and he redefined it for us to help us to see that now as we take the bread and as we take the drink, We're celebrating all that Jesus has done on our behalf through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. 